Okay. <laughs> Dave, good evening. <laughs> Dave, Dave's very casual this evening. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> So in case you're wondering what show this is. <laughs> That's right. This is the show in which Dave just pretty much chills. Yeah, that's that's it. This is a welcome to contemplation hour with that's Dave. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Harkens back to style time with Mike. That's it. Yes. That's it. Oh, man. Those are the days. <laughs> Style time with Mike. All <laughs> right. Classic. So you want to bring us in, Dave, or shall I? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Go, go ahead. Oh, we're, are we going? Oh, we yeah. Are. We're so ready. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, hello. We're already here, but welcome anyway to this, uh, this very casual and cool episode of the Silmarillion Film Project. Uh, I am your co-host, Just, just Chillin' Dave, <laughs> uh, joined by the giggly Tolkien professor, Corey right. Olson. And our head writers, as always, Nick and Marie. <clears throat> We're joining, you, guys are, you guys are joining us from multiple locations across Middle Earth. That's it. And uh, and tonight's topic is what else? Werewolves. And, werewolves. And yeah. Battle. We got to talk about werewolves. And, yeah, and how many question. Just how many werewolf fights can we have <laughs> Ex- in one episode? Exactly. How much dog fighting do we really want in a single episode is sort of the big question there. Um, but all right. Yes, we will. We will come through and uh, finish up the confrontation with Sauron stuff and then get into some deep relationship dynamics with Baron and Luthien, which is a really interesting and important question, actually. Um, but um, first, some quick this, announcements. Uh, this is starting yep. to sound like a, this is sounding like one of the Underworld movies. Remember those? <laughs> yes. Peak <laughs> cinema. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. Anyway, yeah, so uh, uh, Myth Moot 9 registration is open. Uh, you can join us. We have completed our uh, regional moot cycle for the year, which was a lot of fun. I was in Orlando last weekend and Austin the weekend before that for text moot. Um, so we had uh, a great time at our regional moots. Really looking forward to Myth Moot, which is coming up at the end of June. I uh, want to make sure everybody uh, uh, knows about that and invite folks to that because it's a great time. Uh, space program. We have just for our space program, we've just announced both which modules are confirmed uh, for uh, the upcoming month for May. Um, and our, our April uh, modules have begun. The May ones have been confirmed and we've announced the biggest slate of candidate modules for uh, June that we've ever had in any month. Our space program has really been growing and I have a special uh, announcement there. Um, We are for the month of April running the Hitchhikers special, which means uh, if you refer a friend to the space program and they uh, buy a token uh, for a class, they get a free token and the person who referred them also gets a free token. We, we're excited for folks to spread the love about uh, the space program. Our students in the space program have been loving it. They've been telling us all about how much fun they're having in the space program. And we want 
everybody to know about it. So we, uh, so we have, if you know somebody in the space program, tell them to send you their referral link and they can send you the link and you can get in and then they'll get a free token and you'll get a free token and it's awesome. So um, anyway, that's the Hitchhiker special going on for the month of April. And also, uh, remember to tune in for uh, my newest show, Other Minds and Hands, the discussion of adaptation in general, Tolkien adaptation in, spe- in particular, with, of course, a specific interest uh, in uh, the new Rings of Power show, of course, that's coming up. We talk about that a lot, though not exclusively. Um, and that's on Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So about Other Minds and Hands... Um, yes. I've been wondering because uh, very recently, not in the most recent episode, yeah, but in the one week, previous, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you guys spent a lot of time discussing kind of the roles of different people in the production. Yeah. And one of the positions that you were discussing was the executive producer role. And yes. so I was really interested to know if you feel like you are film films executive producer or if you are starting to now see a different role for yourself i'm just curious it, it you know ultimately this is you know this is the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter but just curious see that's a really interesting question because i admit so during during this show um maggie who knows like way more about like the movie world than I do. Um, my co-host Maggie and I were talking about this and I was asking her like all these ignorant questions. Cause I, I've never really understood like what the different producers do and like where the boundary lines are between like what a director does and what a producer does and, 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 and all the, how all this stuff works. So I was asking Maggie lots of questions about this and Nick, I was absolutely in the back of my mind trying to figure out what I was <laughs> when I was asking those questions. And of course, like, I kept getting lots of non because you know there's a lot of variation like different you know produce on different you know uh, different people will do different things and so you know like what a the particular role the particular label doesn't mean like the same thing apparently and ever I was trying to get all these like super specific answers so I could make up my mind um, but I guess executive producer except uh, like apparently- a Spielberg executive producer right yeah something like that maybe i don't know um but yeah like it's it's a nick you may remember when i was i was pressing on this point of like so like how much creative uh input right right, does the executive producer has i was trying to figure that out right because i'm like i'm i'm not i'm not the screenwriter you know and we don't really have a director because that's the part we don't do uh, right right? well and a director in this circumstance would be very different from on a film right because the directors on television episodes are brought in for individual episodes they don't have a lot of creative input on the broader scheme of things like they have creative input on their episode of the show yeah, and that within which, the confines of what's already written. Right. Which always struck me as odd, by the way. And I, this is one of the reasons why I was so interested to learn more about this. Because I had always before thought of the director as like the person who kind of had the creative vision, you know, for what it was supposed to be and what it was supposed to look like. And so only recently has it come to my, I mean, this is maybe, who knows, maybe it's been a thing for years and I just don't pay attention to this kind of thing because I usually don't, but um, it just recently came to my attention, that whole phenomenon of like, and this episode is being directed by this person, whereas the last episode is being, not in the sense of like, there's a team and some of them, and they split them up, but like person 
moseys into town, <laughs> directs an episode, and rides yeah. back on out, right? And I'm like, how does that work? Because I'd always had that association. I'm like, what? What? How, how do they know? So that makes a lot more sense. Like, I had never yeah. really thought of the director in that sense of like, I'm just like executing this, you know, episode essentially, you know, making right. this happen. And as you say, it's not that there's no, um, it's not that there's no. Um, uh, creative input that they have, obviously, there's a lot of the decisions they're making are going to have a huge impact on the on the on the output. But um, but yeah, that thing I was trying to get to was like, who has the like the vision, right? The the the, right. the core thing. And again, of course, yeah. the answer is it depends. It depends. <laughs> right? It depends. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, well, like you know, the I think the uh, gallery series. Uh, on Disney Plus, which is based on it's like the behind the scenes of the Mandalorian, right. Right. it's really really excellent and shows you a lot of what happens in a series like that. And John Favreau definitely has a lot of creative mm-hmm. input in in what's going on in the show, and he's kind of the creative vision for what's going on uh, what's going on there. And on top of him, you have Kathy Kennedy, who is like it, you know just every once in a while like, hey. um this thing isn't star Wars as we know it right now, you know, like something of, of that nature. Right. Um, where she's an, a studio exec, whereas Favreau's more of a, um, a show. He's a, he's a showrunner essentially. Right. right? Right. Uh, but he has a producer job. Right. 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 Yeah. The, in the world of streamers and especially, especially on a lot of those Disney plus shows, it sounds like, um, they're really sort of changing the way things work too. Like the Marvel shows are renowned for not having showrunners, just mm-hmm. having like quote unquote head writers. And then one of the other unusual things is there's always at least one Marvel executive like in the writer's room. Right. Um, and that person's like babysitting person is, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they are essentially the avatar of Kevin Feige and their yes. job is to their job is to be like, you know, uh, no, you can't use that character. Um, we have another plan for them. And like to keep everything right. sort of to make sure we're coloring in the bounds in the lines. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that a executive producer a la Steven Spielberg is probably a good, right. a good fit. Um, mm-hmm. Although in the context of what we're doing, Yeah, <laughs> like because you're also having you're also making decisions about the look of the show, which right. would be um, a showrunner and on an episode level, a director thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want that character to have to have that gun. The gun needs to be bigger or smaller, right? 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. Something something like that. Yeah. I think certainly not a studio exec. That's definitely not who I am. No. <laughs> I am way no. more connected than that. So I think probably from what I was getting, I think like a certain subspecies of executive producer is probably mm-hmm. about the I think you're the, uh I think you're Kevin Feige. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're the mastermind. <laughs> yeah. Uh maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's, your, it's your sandbox and everybody else gets to play in it a little bit, if you say so. I guess. I guess. Um, 
But yeah, no, that was fun. But so, but but Nick, you're absolutely right. Like that was totally in the back of my head <laughs> I yeah. through that whole time, I, and I was trying I to figure feeling. it out. And I'm like, well, it's man. it's been interesting the crossover between between some film and other minds and hands. Like I just you yes. know just like the little threads, the connective tissue going on right. there. It's been it's been entertaining. It it has been it has been yeah, um, yeah and yeah. By the way, we should totally have. Maggie Parks stop by on here at some yeah. point to kind of like help us bring a little bit more realism to what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, right? I'll, t- I'll I'll talk to Maggie about it. See uh, see wh- where she might want to contribute. Right, like in a in in a uh, inter season, right? Um, yeah, episode or something like that might be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Well, we should probably get to it here so we can yeah. get to uh, Baron and Luthien here. So um, this is me not staring at the map. Okay. Um, review of the story thus far. I think Marie puts the map in just to tempt me. Well, no, I often do go back to the map to refer to it during the episode. So I'm always glad that it's there, but it's also always a temptation. Okay. So remembering where we are. Episode one, we've got... Uh, Sauron discovers necromancy and captures Tulsirian at the very end, right? Meanwhile, we have the outlaws being outlaws. We establish Baron and Barahir and the outlaws in, uh, 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 you know, where they are. I'm getting old. What's the, I'm getting like all aphasic now. What's the, that, you know. That's, yeah, up there at Tarn Iluin, yes. In Where their camp is. That's if you it. had looked at the map, you might remember. If the I names. looked at the map, I wouldn't be see uh, the map is. I was just going to encourage yeah. you to refer to the map. Exactly. Yeah. If we go back to the map, we can say, okay, right. Yes, there we are. Okay, fine. Anyway, uh, we have Oradreth and Kelagorm. So Oradreth runs away, and we've got Kelagorm and Kurifin leaving Beleriand, and we get some background on Luthien, right? So we can kind of place Luthien in Doriath and kind of set her up, right? And then episode two, we have um, the death of Barahir and everybody else, like the whole Gorlim thing, right? Uh, which is all being masterminded by Thurin Gwethel, who's been sent to Dorthonian by Sauron um, because Dorthonian has been given to Sauron by Morgoth. So he sends his chief lieutenant up there to take charge of things. Um, Kelgorm and Kurufin arrive and establish themselves in Nargothrond um, and we see Luthien doing stuff, right? We see like, we begin to, we set up the Luthien effect, right? Luthien like makes flowers grow and heals people and stuff. Like this is the impact of Luthien, right? Now episode three is Baron Traveling. Right, so he finds the camp, he leaves Dorthonian, he fights spiders, he gets down to the Girdle of Melian. Do we have him crossing the Girdle of Melian? He crosses through, or do we have him oh. crossing through and staggering, like, you know, at the beginning I, I of the next episode? I would like to end episode three with him collapsing in Adoriath and Luthien coming upon him okay. while he's so asleep. He, okay. So like, he he, so, he gets all so they the don't way meet through each other yet, to, right? But right, right, she we, we realizes he's yet. there. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good episode level cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh, and hey, actually, that's also a really clever way, Marie, to diffuse the whole like creepy watching her out of bushes thing. If she already knows he's there, right? That's why I want to end the episode that way. He I like started that. it. 
I like that. Yeah. It's much better if she's creepy first. You're right. Well, <laughs> if she knows he's there. If she knows he's there and she's like there dancing anyway, then there's there's like some kind of implied consent involved uh, in their meeting. Well, no, seriously, that's the issue, right? Though, I mean, like if 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 she is completely at unawares and he's just peeping out of the bushes, right? That's it. it I mean, it's are, you know. Are you saying yeah. she was asking for it? I mean, like what? <laughs> <laughs> to bo- oh. what <laughs> or to be stalked through the woods i mean no, but she, if she knows he's there she's not unaware and therefore mm-hmm. he's not being anywhere near as sneaky as he might think he is she had the opportunity to a run away be like you know report on him anyway like it's it's uh it's i just i i'm just saying i i like how that changes the dynamics i think that that's really i think that's that that's very cunning it changes the dynamics without really changing anything about the scene right because that's as we've talked about before it wasn't my idea but as soon as i heard that idea i'm like yes let's do that (laughs) it's a brilliant idea because the 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 i mean this is of course one of the challenges at the heart of this entire season, right, is that that scene, the scene in which Baron comes upon Luthien dancing in Doriath, is possibly the scene at the heart of the story that is at the heart of Tolkien's Middle-earth, right? I mean, if there's like... And yet, there's no getting around the fact that that scene, if not handled very carefully indeed is going to look stalker creepy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have... It's actually a really cool illustration of how perfect and exact faithfulness to the text could completely wreck the story um, when you're doing a screen adaptation. Because um, if you do it exactly like Tolkien describes it, um, it could be... Well, it could wholly fail to convey what Tolkien was attempting to convey, I think, in that scene. So anyway, okay. But anyway, so I love that. And we don't know that she did not come upon him first. No. Because... He doesn't say that. I mean, it's... it's, We don't know. It could have happened, and she never told anybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Just because something isn't included doesn't mean it couldn't have happened. (laughs) Um, Yes. Okay. All right. Meanwhile, we have Thurin Gwethel returning to Tal Sirion, and this is where the tension begins between Thurin Gwethel and Sauron, right? She comes back and she's like, okay, I want my cut, right? Uh, You know, deal me in on the whole pot of souls thing. Um, And Sauron's like, it is mine, right? And she feels betrayed. Okay. Um, Now we have, uh, um, and we've, we established Luthien dancing in the woods as well as we do before she meets him. Okay. Um, we're also establishing this. What is this? Is it D plot? See, like the the dwarf thing, right? We've got the the dwarves of Belagost uh, uh, commissioning the Nauglamir, right? Um, we've got that happening here in episode three. Uh, the Nauglamir is going to happen in episode one. The um, dwarves of Belagost are um, dealing uh, with um, Glaurung. Glaron in episode yeah. three, yeah. Right, right. Okay, I see. Got it. Because the, the, the Noglimer has to come from Nograd. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, cool. All right, so then 
episode four, we have the Tenuvial bottle episode, right? We've got the meeting between Baron and Luthien, um, the dancing, the meeting, the dad, which doesn't go well. And then um, Baron ending the episode with Baron leaving. The parameters of that episode are the clearest of any of the episodes of the entire season. Then, okay, episode five, Baron goes to Nargothrond. Um, Finrod agrees to take off with him. He sets his crown aside, leaves Ordreth in charge, and departs. Kelgorm and Kurafin exchange a, uh, an evil, uh, uh, you know, grin behind his back. Um, and we have then also, this is where the big quarrel happens between Sauron and Thorin Gwethel over Sol. So we introduced the tension before, and now what we're showing that the, the tension between them is really threatening to become enmity, essentially. Are we going to show that progressively here, the Thorin Gwethel-Sauron dynamic? I'm not sure how much screen time we're going to give to that at this point. I just... Right. I, I, so, okay. if there's space, then yes. Right, right. Okay. We'll okay. Find space. We'll find space. Whatever we can, we can. Presumably, okay. it's not going to take too much to uh, do that. Uh, to there's not that much to establish there. Okay, episode six then. Okay, now this here's, here's why I want to start being careful here. So episode six, Finrod is the capture of Finrod and Baron, right? Which means we have the Finrod Sauron song duel here in episode six. Um. Meanwhile, Luthien... Oh, wait, we skipped... I skipped Luthien being in prison in the treehouse in episode five. But she escapes at the end of that, right? Um, but now she's under house arrest in Nargothron. So she meets Kelgorm and Kurfin and is brought into Nargothron and is, and is under arrest there. Um, so we end episode six with Luthien under polite arrest in Nargothrond. Baron under impolite arrest in Tall and Gaurhoth, right? Um, and Sauron and Kelgorm and Kurofin all seeming very pleased with themselves, basically. I think we had discussed having Luthien and Huan break out at the end of the episode. Oh, right. Okay. So that Huan, they would right. be the ready escape. in the next one. But yeah, so again, that, timing right. of when one episode breaks, the next one's starts. Okay. It's, it's no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, uh, yes. Yes. Um, okay. Episode 7 then. That's the tricky bit uh, that we're getting up to, to. Or This is the tricky bit that we skipped when we talked about this last time. And that is we have the werewolves systematically consuming the companions of Finrod and Baron. Right? One by one. Um, we have Huon and Luthien arriving at the tower, Huon slaying a bunch of werewolves, right? So the werewolves are eating the elf companions, Huon is eating the werewolves, and then Draugluin and Huon fight, and then uh, Sauron and Huon fight, and then Luthien unleashes the elves releases the captives from bondage. The tower sort of blows up and Luthien and Baron are reunited and also 
chaperoned by Finrod's corpse at that point, right? Um, okay. Yeah. Right. Now, um, let's skip ahead a second. Okay. And talk about. We should duels. probably divide that into two things: being the the werewolves outside and the werewolf inside. Yes, because there's yeah. two kind yeah. of problems to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, okay, let's talk about the inside werewolves first. Is the problem, or the potential problem, anyway, that um, it might seem what uh, anticlimactic for Finrod to be killed by a werewolf in the prison? Is this is the idea that because I? Okay, let me ask this question more simply. What's the problem with the inside werewolves? I got no beef with the inside werewolves. It's the outside werewolves that are giving me trouble. I, but I have I have a little bit of a beef. Okay. Um, All right, let's hear it. Okay, so one is it's a another werewolf, which lots of wolves. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which yeah. isn't a huge deal depending on how we handle the other one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the death of Finrod is like it depends on where it falls in the episode as far as timeline wise if we want it to be like near the beginning of the episode so to really shock the audience into in into kind of where we're at in this story Mm -hmm. we can do that but we have to kind of think about how to how we're paying that off so on the one hand i kind of love the killing off one companion at a time till it's only Finrod and Baron. Like, I kind of like the drama of that. I'm not saying there's everything to love about that. As, like, that's only really cool if we're not super invested in the other elves. <laughs> right? If we're willing to just redshirt them and be like, yep, so, you know, when the werewolf comes from fin- for Finrod's other companions... He's not real bothered, but <laughs> werewolf comes for Baron. He's he's got, right. I know he's got his oath and everything. I know it's different, but still, um, we can't. We we certainly don't want to make Finrod look like I, I don't really care if the rest of these people yeah. of my household. There would ha- there would have to be a reason why Finrod couldn't have done anything about the other ones. Like right. maybe they're impres- imprisoned separately across the hall, and so he can't even get to the cell where the werewolves are attacking his companions. But so, Baron's with him, so he can now he can get in there and get to that werewolf. Like there'd have to be a physical reason why this is different. And if also, and, what if he doesn't know? What if there's just like something grabbing them out of the dark? I think like minimalist visuals would be maximally terrifying. That, that's uh, my my sense as well. My sense is this could be difficult to render on screen in a way that doesn't look cheap or silly. Yes, uh, but but it could be cool. With, as you say, if it's just like dark and there's like a scream and he disappears and, you know, we don't know what happened to him. And there's no opportunity, Marie, for him to intercede in those other cases. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I think we have to. um, The other thing I feel like we have to do is. Finrod. Can Finrod still be, like, in some measure incapacitated by his duel with Sauron? If not, like, I don't mean necessarily unconscious, but... And he conveniently 
kind of cu- pulls himself out of it when no, no, no. Baron no, is under there. Not okay. conveniently, heroically. Heroically, I got you. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's a that like I mean like the kind of deal where um, it's not like oh hey Finrod taking a werewolf one on one is like a massively heroic. It doesn't feel massively heroic, right? Like it. Mm. Um, it. I mean, I am feeling a little bit of the slight letdown of. Um, I mean, this is Finrod is one of our biggest characters, right? And for him to be killed, for him to die in a dark dungeon killed by some random monster seems, you know, potentially mm-hmm. um, like a letdown. But or more importantly, like a, a I don't want us to let Finrod down. Right? He's he's a big deal. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'd think you'd think like one on one. Right. He'd be able to take a werewolf without having to yeah. um, uh, probably without being killed by it. But I mean, anyway, he doesn't have any weapons. Uh yeah, I know, but you know. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Now I'm not saying yeah. it'd be necessarily easy. I'm just saying anyway, yeah. what I mean is could we put him in a like um I put him in a place where he um like where it's like he can barely even move. Right. So like he um, and and here I'm thinking, and I guess what I'm wanting to do is kind of go back a step and say, where is where where is Finrod at the end of the song battle? Right. 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 Um, And here I'm thinking in particular of the the imagery. Right. Because it's all about it's it's a it's a poetry battle. Right. It's all about like, you know whose metaphors are going to prevail right in this in this uh uh in this in this battle like they're each trying to you know conduct a fairy and drama and like whose drama is going to be the one uh that prevails and of course in the end uh it's um it's Sauron so what what is to say it really crudely what spell does Sauron place upon Finrod, right? Not just revealing. What's the consequence? What's the, what's the consequence? consequence? Yeah. What's the yeah. fallout for Finrod? He's bound he in some way. He yeah. yes, for him to be bound not just by chains, right? Yeah. Which can be mm-hmm. a big enough deal anyway. But if he is bound, if he, again, this is why what I mean by like in some way incapacitated. Like if he's if he's you know like basically Sauron has succeeded in putting some kind of you know like psychic lock on him right he he won like he won he overcame him and so therefore his will is dominating finrod right now yeah. he can't dominate his spirit right but he can dominate his body and that's what i'm imagining like, i'm imagining right. finrod being confined like not i mean not in a way that looks stupid right but like so that he he really he either can't either is so weak that he can barely mm. move or is like locked into place so that he can barely move um I want him to be chained up, but I want the. But I think if the if it's if it's this is the consequence. So that basically, it's not just hey I beat a werewolf right, but first I threw off Sauron's controlling yeah. spell over me, and then I beat the werewolf, and though that combination of things did me in. Like I had to spend everything I had in order to overcome those two things, and that's the heroism that he that he shows there is kind of what I'm thinking. So, it also depends on how we want to set this up, because there's two there's two ways to really do this and have 
the scene kind of done justice. Either you can have, over the course of the episode, people being killed, and the episode really is, like, their POV stuff is really focused on a conversation between Finrod and Baron about Mm -hmm life and their situation and all that stuff if right. that's the focus then you can kind of take your time with the other thing and it's not as weird that we keep coming back to and more people are being killed by this werewolf in the dark yeah right yeah. um by the or, way is it too much to ask to like do a little recapitulate have finrod be thinking about the athrobeth during this time and that maybe is th- yeah talking about you know I'm kind of thinking, you know, Finrod is kind of thinking about eternity right now, you know, and thinking about, I'm just saying, it sounds like a good time to do a little, not a recap, but for him to have a little conversation with Baron, especially because this gives us an opportunity to set up the mortality of humans. And, and the, if there's anybody with whom Baron is going to have a conversation where there's going to be a very natural time to bring up the... Uh, mortality of humans and the gap between humans and elves and how like there's this gulf fixed between them right that can't be crossed over and everything like maybe that's something that might come up with Finrod you're there in prison nothing else to talk about right and so we're already when we see I mean this is the wonderful power of this juxtaposition that we've set up right that is season five Athrobeth you know, uh, and you know, Ignor and 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 Andreth not being able to get together, right? And Baron and Luthien actually succeeding in crossing that gulf, yeah. right? Um, yeah. This can help us to establish what an enormously big deal Baron and Luthien's relationship is. Right? Yeah. And this is one of the things I think, by the way, like if people only look at this as like a Romeo and Juliet situation, right? As if what separates Baron and Luthien is like the Montagues and the Capulets with her dad, not approving and whatever, like there's some kind of stigma attached to humans and whatever. It's so much of a bigger deal than that. Now, again, we've done a lot of that work last season, but I think we need to kind of bring some of that forward to make sure that we're like, it's a cosmically big deal. <laughs> there are right. the, the, the trans, the, the, the boundaries that are being crossed in this relationship. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. And weirdly, the cosmos seems to be both wholly against them and wholly for them at the same time. It's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. So the, the, the other way to handle the, this, it is, would be to do it in one scene, which if we're sharing this bit with Luthien's arrival at Tulsirian, we is probably the way we'd have to go. Right. And what we could do is have have Baron kind of solve a piece of the puzzle that Finrod was left with in the Athrobeth mm-hmm. for him, mm-hmm. and like that realization. So like he it's it's happening in one scene, right? And maybe Baron and Finrod are in a cell together and we can hear the screams getting closer and closer down the corridor. So we don't have to say every one of their companions was slaughtered like it says right. like it says it right. in the book, right? We don't have to actually show that. Um but we can but the audience can pretty much gather that that's what's happening. Right. And so at the moment that like right before like there's a moment of quiet when they know that the werewolf is going to be that like they're going to be next right their hands reach out in the dark 
right? And Baron says something that clicks all the pieces of the puzzle together for Finrod in the same way that Fingolfin kind of had all the puzzle pieces clicked together for him in the moment prior to his death. And he, and, you know, and the true meaning of Christmas comes through and Finrod (laughs) gains the strength of 10 riches plus two, right? (laughs) Right. Breaks his bonds, kills the werewolf. Yeah. Never really thought of Finrod as the Grinch, but. Right. No, I, I, I... (laughs) it's a very useful metaphor. (laughs) It is a very useful metaphor. Um, uh, and very much the kind of thing I was I was thinking when I was talking about uh, the um, you know his his throwing off the the spell of Sauron and whatever. Um, one one thing I do like about the idea of there being a spell from Sauron that is uh, hindering him or incapacitating him prior to this is that I know some people were a little disappointed that Finrod gets killed off by Werewolf Number Five, right? And right. it's like, well, yeah, sure, but. Finrod's really killed by Sauron here. Right. Like, I mean, the person sending the werewolves is indeed Sauron. And it's not like the audience is going to forget that. But if we've seen him struggling with something that we know is left over from the duel, then his death feels like the direct continuation of the duel in a way that it might not if we didn't have that component. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think having the duel flow into the death by werewolf thing and connecting it all together is is probably a wise choice. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I agree. I think that that feels exactly right. We definitely want everybody to feel that Sauron is the one who has killed Finrod. And therefore, there is some like immediate satisfaction for this, right? When Sauron um, gets his butt kicked by Huon and Luthien, um, there's this sort of immediate <clears throat> vindication. Um, yes, okay. Um, Alright, so I like that. I think that that could work. That works. So I'm I'm fine there with the indoor werewolves. And again, we don't have to show them. We just like, it's dark. We're hearing screams. Uh, we can see, you know, movement in the dark and maybe, you know, the flashing of ominous eyes or whatever. I mean, we, we can, that could be done in a way that is like scary, not cheesy and not uh, too detailed. Okay. Um, so, outdoor wolves. Here's the problem. So, the heart... There are two issues here. One is... This is, again, to me, a classic example of things you can say in books that you just can't show on screen and expect them to have the same effect, right? Um you can say that Huan, you know, fought werewolf after werewolf and slew them all silently. You can say that in one sentence and it sounds awesome, right? It's really hard to show that on screen. Um, On screen, it's going to look incredibly video gamey. Like, not only yep. in the first kill off all the minions and then have the big boss fight, the, 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 the first boss and then the final boss, right? Um, not only is it going to look like that, um, that's kind of bad enough. I mean, goodness, it's even going to look like, um, like really bad, 
really uh, really bad AI in a video game where mm-hmm. like you like you st- and like the, it keeps sending you like a single mob after another to like back to the like from the respawn point um it's you know with the like individual werewolves being sent out until until drug Lewin finally like you know figures out what's going on anyway whatever it would be easy for that to look bad but that's not even my main concern. The whole, like, first kill the minions and then do the boss fights thing. My serious concern is that, look, like, my apologies... Okay, I don't really apologize to people who participate in illegal dog fighting rings, but, like, dogs fighting, not very interesting. Like, it's just... Dog fights, kind of boring, actually. Like, two dogs fighting can be interesting for a few seconds, but seriously, have you ever seen, like, how do you do a dramatic blow-by-blow dogfight that doesn't look boring? Convince me. Convince me not to be bored by that. I mean, there's, and I say this because the reason I'm being harsh on dogs and dogfights here is that there's relatively little variety that happens, right, in a dogfight. Most, most of the drama is in the lead-up, right? Yes. And that's, and to dogs too like the most important stuff in a fight between two dogs is in the lead up because neither of these dogs wants to get hurt (laughs) and so they're doing the very best they can to make sure this fight ends to win the fight before having to actually fight yeah I mean it's just like I don't know. I mean, like again, this this site. I mean, you, Lassie manages to do it somehow. Like it, you know, it's... but again, how much total screen time does Lassie spend fighting other dogs? Like never no, more than a couple of seconds. Because what happens? Yeah. Like the two dogs charge at each other, right? And they rear up and they go, and like each of them are trying to bite the other one on the throat, and they kind of and like seriously, and like it's like, and then it's. Over anyway, it's boring. Like I don't know. I find it incredibly boring. It's not like, I mean, and I say this as somebody. I love action sequences. Love action. Well, I love fight scenes. Let me say, I'm, action sequences are often boring. Like of the, let's drive through town and like b- break things. Action sequences. Not a huge fan of that. But fight scenes. I love a good fight scene. Um, but how do you make a good fight scene between two dogs? Much less, how do you make, like, three or four dog fights in a row sufficiently different to be like, oh, but now, like, he's fighting a bigger dog. And so, like, now who on fighting a bigger dog is, like, more... I mean, it's just like, gah, like, what do you do? Okay. There, um, the scariest thing about a dog fight is if the dog attacks you. Right. Um, so, like, anyone who's ever been around a dog that was growling and lunging at them, like, that's terrifying. Yes. Um, so that is what is removed when you're watching two dogs fight each other because they're attacking each other, not you. Right. Um, the way nature shows um, tend to make this stuff interesting is they show the lead up. So if you're going to have a pack of lions attack an elephant, you're going to see right. the lion stalk the elephant you're going to see how the elephants react when they figure out that the lions are there. You're going to see the difference between how they are in daylight when the elephants can see and at night when the lions can see, but the elephants can't. Right. And then they're going to show the pack of lions take down the baby elephant. And right. it's 
everyone who's watching it is like, ah, baby elephant. <laughs> so, right. Um, so like there's ways of doing it, but not just like a regular dog fight. Well, nighttime um, so is definitely a pack our of friend. werewolves. Right. Nighttime can help. Yeah. And if, Instead of taking them out one by one, if one has to take out a pack of wolves by himself, like yeah. that would be higher stakes. Of course, if he did that and then only Drag Lewin shows up, it's like, well, of course he's going to win against Drag Lewin. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does yeah. Saram think he can do that his right. whole entire pack of werewolves couldn't do? Well, so, I don't know. So, so there's a few things you could divide it into a couple of um a couple of steps right the first step is in the approach to the castle right there are werewolves kind of patrolling the woods around and we do the thing where like um Kuan is moving silently through the woods and like taking them out one by one but you don't see it you just hear the like you know and then <laughs> right. and that's it right Except um, we, don't, we have to be careful with the sound there not we don't to want be to elicit too pity cute. for the werewolves right. yeah, yeah exactly i mean yeah. a little bit it would be okay to, like to to see that they're like seriously outmatched right you know now i i, I do agree that the this the, this is this is clearly the very first thing we can do right right he doesn't fight the werewolves he hunts them at right the exactly right. yeah exactly yeah. Um, then so this is who I'm just completely in charge doing his thing. Like he right. is because and because by the way, we haven't really had that many opportunities. We've shown who on we've you know, who has been on screen many times since season three. Right. So season two. Um, but we've actually not had him kill that many wolves on screen. Like we've mm-hmm. not really established him. I mean, it's, I mean I don't know. He's been in battle before, so we've we've, yeah. we've seen him in action. Season um, three, he definitely was involved in fighting some werewolves. Yeah. But. but anyway, like, dusting off his reputation as the greatest wolfhound of all time seems a great idea, right? And yes. that we can easily do on the lead up to the big battle, right? right. There is no werewolf on the grounds, you know, like around the island, basically, who is any threat to Huan. And we just just having it go through and just slaughtering them, hunting them down. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And I love the idea of like Luthien. Luthien's just walking towards the tower. Right. Yes. And in the and you see occasionally see who on like run, yeah. running by in the background, and then you hear another squeal off screen over there. And then yeah, anyway, he's just like killing all of the werewolves in the entire area while she like walks through, maybe like walks around one of their bodies at one point or something. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. The the Huan part, like to reference Mandalorian again, the Huan part kind of makes me think of the the bit where they uh, reintroduced. Ahsoka Tano, mm-hmm. um, I think the episode is called The Jedi, uh, where in her introduction scene, she's trying to move up towards this walled city, yes. and yes. she's just like, like just right. appearing behind these guys yes. who all have guns, and right. not one of them hits her, right? Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, no, I exactly. It's, um, yes, yes. Uh, who on to where to like garden variety werewolves? Yeah, should very yeah. much be like Jedi versus stormtroopers. Absolutely. Yes. 
Um, so now we on the causeway, that, that level of superiority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now on the causeway, Dragulin is there, right? Probably Dragulin. accompanied with, like, not, he's probably not alone because we got to up the stakes a little bit. And even even though Dra- uh, Dragulin is bigger and scarier, and we know his name. Yes, that's more threatening, but it's not as threatening as if he has a posse, right? Right. Not a huge posse. Not a huge posse. Maybe a pair. You know, right. Him and him and two yeah. others, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, he should talk. Dragluin. Yes. Should talk. Right. I mean, we gotta. Mm-hmm. We've got to remind that this is not just like the big guard dog. This is one of Sauron's lieutenants, right? right. Whom we've seen in council with Sauron before, mm-hmm. many times, several times. And he anyway. certainly believes himself the greatest werewolf who ever lived. Yes. Yes. Um, and he can say that. Yes. Um, exactly. In other words, he's, and it was Draugluin? Who overheard the prophecy? Glaurung. Glaurung. Yeah. Glaurung overheard yeah. the prophecy. Right. Right. Yeah. But he knows about it. Draugluin has heard about it now. Right. Yes. Yes. He knows. And Draugluin, thinking a lot of himself, he's the father of werewolves after all. Right. Clearly believes himself to be the fulfillment of this prophecy. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so, so he can, he have, can a big... have a speech to this, mm-hmm. to this, you know, like that. Now, um, Huan has sealed his own doom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because <clears throat> now he's come and Drogluin is going to, you know, the prophecy that was made is now going to be fulfilled and right. his doom is upon right. him. Right. Yeah. And um, actually, I, I have thought of a movie where there is a somewhat prolonged dog fight, and that's Lady in the Tramp. I was actually thinking of that. Um, mm. You'll notice what happens there is that they do cut away. Yeah, they cut away. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, they, cut they away. do. Um, but they also cut back after that. But one mm. of the things that makes that scene interesting is first thing, the three dogs that he's fighting are all very different. Yes. Um, in their body yes. types. And so they yeah. Yeah. they come after him in different ways. Differently. Yes. And yeah. so that might be interesting to do if it because who says all these the wargs right. and werewolves have to be identical. And yeah. so maybe having a, yeah. a, a little Dachshund three... werewolf and a little yeah. <laughs> yes. But having some different some some stylized body types might not yeah. be a terrible yeah. idea. No, I agree. Here. I agree. because um, that would help variegate the thing and now he has to kind of turn and deal with this one and that one and that one attacks him differently and it gives more opportunities for there to be yep. good stunt work stunt work you know? yep no no i agree i agree i yes i i fully believe that with care we can make one dog fight yes. interesting Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that I th- it's that's it's not trivial, but I do think it's possible, and I agree. Having multiple the multiple antagonists and 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 Drogluin, um, you know, uh, giving a, a a a sort of you know Witch King esque speech, uh, you know, right, uh, sort of reversed. But anyway, you know, like that. Yeah, that can all work yeah, really, really well. It's almost exactly like the Witch King because it's the no mortal man can hinder me. I'm invincible. Yeah, right. Like yeah. the hey, I'm your doom, and Elon's like, try me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. But again, we can cut away from that fight to go show something else, and the next thing we see is Dragluin at Sauron's feet. You know, going, Huan is here, you know, right, right, right. um, yeah, so okay, 
But this brings us to my big problem. Yeah. And I fully acknowledge, I know there are going to be a whole lot of people that are going to hate this. I don't like Wolf Sauron. Do we have to do Wolf Sauron? Wolf Sauron is A, boring. And B, a letdown. A super letdown. Right? It makes Sauron look an idiot, for one thing. Um, uh, Like, definition of insanity kind of idiot. Right? Um, Like, oh, like, this guy has just destroyed every single wolf on the premises, including Draugluin. But if I make myself into a slightly larger wolf, well then, now, like, Draugluin just was like, I am your doom and I am fulfilling the prophecy. And Sauron's like, no, wait, I will be a bigger werewolf and then I will fulfill the prophecy. And it's like... Come on, people. He doesn't even question this prophecy it's, at this point. I know, like, maybe seriously. the prophecy isn't a thing. You didn't especially, think through um, that even a little bit? I mean... Especially especially our Sauron. Yes. I think it's Especially like a, our Sauron. Right. That his answer to this problem is, yes, <laughs> bigger wolf. That's what we need. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it just seems like a dumb idea on Sauron's yeah. part. It really does. So one thing that I would do to... <laughs> One thing that I would do to, if I wanted to try to preserve that, okay, um, knowing that you hate it, <laughs> if I wanted to try to preserve hate it. Hate is a strong word, but I am not a fan of Wolf yeah. Sauron. What I would suggest would be for him to not only be a bigger, better wolf, but also because he's Meyer, right? And he's not, he's not bound to this form in the same way Dragolin is. No. Have him able to kind of like Dracula dust himself, right? And almost teleport in this way. So like it's not just that he's big and powerful and scary, but he's able to do things in the physical space that Huan now can't compete with. Right. Multiple shape changes would at least be more interesting. Yes, multiple um, shape changes. Multiple shape changes would help. I mean, we know he can shape change. Why would right. he just... Why do you stick with Big Wolf when it's right. not working? Yeah. <laughs> you know? like it's, um, But anyway, yeah. I, 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 so, and here, here's, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. And, and again, again, I know, and I apologize to anybody who's scandalized by the suggestion. I don't like Huan is here. Mm. To have the who, if we have the who on his here line, we have to have Sauron doing what? Picking his teeth in some internal room, playing solitaire, um, un- totally unaware of the fact that every werewolf in the Isle of Werewolves is being killed one by one outside until finally his last surviving lieutenant staggers in and dies at his feet and is like, by the way, we're under a freaking <laughs> attack here. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's seriously, yeah, like but a that's, serious that's... chance of making Sauron look like a complete get. The, the problem... So the way that we fix that it and still preserve the line is making it not be Sauron that's a dope, but Dragluin. Okay. Like Sauron knows what like why is he telling him that he he's only telling him this because he's terrified and hurt and dying and and in complete denial that what has happened to him has happened to him. Mm-hmm. Right? But okay. Here's what I'm thinking. 
so uh, I'm going to go under the assumption that Sauron is not the last person in the island to know that this is happening. Okay. And so I ask myself, if Sauron did, in fact, realize that he was under attack, what's he thinking? What's he doing? Right. And Mm. our Sauron is not going to be like, I shall turn myself into a big monster and go fight him toe to toe. Like, that's not what our Sauron would do. That's totally Mm. not his M.O. I mean, Dave, I think that's what you were suggesting. Right. I mean, that just doesn't feel like our Sauron. What's he going to do? He's going to sneak down there, see what's going on and try to find a much more clever and efficient way to handle this problem. And if I'm. Sauron, and I am aware of the situation, I'm thinking while Huon and Drogluin are fighting, he goes for Luthien. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. My problem... Okay, my big problem is I don't really have a, a clear idea about an alternative for the Sauron fight. I'm yeah. certainly not saying not do the Sauron fight. We want to do the Sauron. We want to defeat Sauron. But I... I want to do it in a way that's consistent with the character that we've been building and which is going to be interesting on screen and which also, by the way, is more consistent with what um, we want all of the attention, Drogluans, the werewolves, Drogluans, Saurons, all on Huon and um, uh, and... Uh, Luthien so that Thorin Gwethel can go and try to break into the Pot of Evil right at that time. Uh, meanwhile, Finrod is doing Finrod things. Th- I mean, again, you'd think Sauron would be aware of the fact that Finrod was throwing off his spell, right? And Sauron might go downstairs to do something about that problem. At the, but not if he's fighting with, you know, Luthien and Huon at the time, right? So right. Um, anyway, like it's it's... If we can combine these things, I think it would make a much better scene and it would work better for Sauron's character. Um, we could have him be more than simply outmuscled by a bigger, you know, by, by a better dog, basically. Right. right? Um, that doesn't feel like I want Sauron's defeat to be even more ignominious than that. Right. I want, I want him to be more humiliated than just like. Okay, maybe when fighting the greatest wolfhound ever, I shouldn't have gone with wolf. You know, like that's, yeah. So you want them to get him on his own terms. You want yeah. them getting him on his best day. Essentially, yes. Yeah. I want Sauron to bring his A game, and I want Luthien right. and Huan still to mop the floor with him. Okay. <laughs> that's what okay. I want. Right. Well, so, what, let's look at what the tools are that he has. Go on, Marie. Right. I'm sorry. I was going to say, so if, if Drugluin is keeping Huan busy, which he is during that fight. Yeah. Yeah, and you're saying that Sauron's move should be go for Luthien then. I would think, right? Sure. So he would start in on whatever sorcery battle he wants to have with Luthien, because we just saw him have a sorcery battle with Finrod. That seems to be his go-to for I have an elf in front of me that I have to deal right. with. Right, right, right. Um, but if in the midst of that fight, Huon is like, "I'm here to help Luthien." Huon may attack Sauron in the middle of all that, which would necessitate Sauron shape-shifting into a wolf to fight him right. back. Right, right. So yes. he might be taking on Huon and Luthien on two fronts, so to speak. Yes, yeah. I like, See, I like this. This seems like a more plausible, like, 
I like him shifting into a wolf in the moment as like a, uh, you know, just like stopgap or the best he can come up with. Right. Yeah. Much better than him, like premedit doing this in a premeditated fashion. Right. A premeditated bad plan. Yeah. Yeah. Because if he's going to end up with basically who on biting his neck, right? Like that's kind of how this was all going to culminate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally fine with, you know, ending up the tower behind him. <laughs> right. Ending things with Huan um, with his jaws on Sauron's throat like that. Right. I totally I'm not trying right. to change. So that. If, if, if that's where it's headed, then yeah. having Huan do the physical fight while Luthien does the song battle sorcery side of things and Sauron's trying to do both at once and it doesn't work out for him. Like we can kind of see how that would devolve to that point, I think. Yeah, she um, could be trying to. She could be preventing him from taking the fight to a higher level in some way. I'm trying to think of words, how it's so. In a, we don't want to underplay Luthien. That is, I'm mm-hmm. totally fine with having Luthien be winning mm-hmm. when. Huan. So, okay. So, again, so first thing. Assuming we're okay with Sauron, Sauron and Drogluin essentially finding out what's going on at the same time, right? Um, if we wanted to give the Huan is here line to, like, Redshirt Werewolf instead, I'd be fine with that, by the way. Like, if we want to preserve the line, um, but not give it to Drogluin, that would be okay. Like, somebody gives the alarm, somebody survives to give the alarm, right? And then dies at their feet. Dragluin is going to be like, I'm all over this, right? Huan is mine, right? I've got Huan. Now, what's Sauron thinking? Sauron is going to be like, yeah, Huan is his, right? Sauron is not afraid of a dog, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Huan is awesome, but Sauron is not afraid of Huan, right? Huan, he's in no danger of having his tower successfully assaulted by Huan, right? Solo, right? So Sauron is not going to bother himself so much about the dog, right? He's going to let Drogluin take care of the dog, especially since this seems like a fulfillment of prophecy. So he's going to be like, okay, that checks the box. Drogluin will take out the dog. That leaves me to handle the elf princess, right? Concerning whom... Uh, we've already had a thing at one yeah. point, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he's already had a, a, a little skirmish with Luthien back in season four. So, um, so okay. Like, it's on now, right? But he's not going to go down and do all, like, let's have a fair duel with Luthien, right? He's going to try to come at her sideways or something, right? Presumably. But anyway, the two of them are going to, the, he's going to, so in his mind, right? In Sauron's mind, who wants taken care of? Drogluin has is, is got him. No one is going to be more surprised than Sauron that Huan is going to win that fight, I think. So so the line, Huan is here, comes first. Yeah. Like, they're, they're standing, like, on the battlements, and, and, and Sauron's looking out, and, and Drogluin comes up next to him and says, Huan is here. Huan is here. Oh, yes. Drogluin says, okay, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that. That, like, I, like he, just, he just sees something right he, like, he, they just like hear the werewolves dying on the grounds right he feels and, his and presence like drug luan is like luke yeah Huan is here yeah exactly right, what, right um, yes. now on this moon what do you guys <laughs> yes. uh what, and what do you guys think about like uh um sauron sort of almost like kind of 
manipulating Drowgluin into attacking. Maybe Sauron's the one that points out the prophecy. The prophecy. Oh, you know. Yeah. I heard a prophecy. Right. We've, we've treating had... Drowgluin as though he's disposable. Yeah, we've had Drowgluin and on see each other on the battlefield before and be yeah. like, ooh, you. And then that didn't happen. So yeah. I think that... Yeah, I don't take, think it takes much Drogluin does want to fight Huan. Yeah, yeah, I think Drogluin is all in for this. And yeah. Sauron very well could... I mean, we could have a recognition between... If you don't want Drogluin to do a like a villain monologue during the fight to Huan... Um, but instead, want to like have bring out the prophecy, recall the prophecy in conversation between Sauron and Dragluin before they go. Dragluin gets so that. few lines. We can give him a little monologue before he That's dies. We, we can give him. A, we can give him a little evil monologue. Throw him evil, up. overconfident Bone. monologue. Right. Um, uh, yeah, too bad he can't say something like "Come not between the werewolf and his prey" or something because that's not quite fitting. But yeah, um, though if he said that to Luthien, it would be a little bit awesome. Um, uh, but <laughs> but anyway, anyway, okay, yeah. whatever. I'll leave that to you guys. But the point is, all right. So Sauron, his he's got he's got in his mind who on is crossed off, right? Dragluin mm-hmm. is going after who on. So this down to him and Luthien. What's his approach? Yeah. What's he going to do with Luthien? He's going to... Song battle, yes. Uh, agreed. He knows that that's going to be what's going to have to happen. Is she already singing? Is she already doing a thing that he counters? Or is she... Because she could be starting to sing, right? Yeah. When she... If, if you were want, uh, picturing her walking towards the tower, yes. I mean, why wouldn't she be singing while doing that? Right. 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 And her singing is crescendoing as she's approaching and then Sauron does something that's almost like negative sound right and so you get that (laughs) so he's just trying to he's just trying to counter it he's just trying to stop her singing well dampening effects right and so like you get the like they meet in silence right so they 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 meet and it's like there's just this absence of sound. Like you get this audible pull in of the sound and then. He's going to try to deceive her, isn't he? Wouldn't he do that? Wouldn't he try to deceive her some way? In, in this, in the cone of silence. Yes. Cone of silence. Yeah. Well, like he, once he's established the cone of silence, then he speaks to her in the cone of silence. Right. Right. The sound is, he, he creates a magical, no magic, bubble for them to have a private conversation. Does that make sense? He I brings his Isalamari or whatever you call those right. those animals from the <laughs> Timothy Zahn novels. Wow, deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> and I, apparently Star everyone Wars. on this phone call got that reference. So there you go. Star Wars Legends. Man. Okay. Kudos to you, sir. I, okay. I, I, I bring my A game, sir. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So his first, he's trying to neutral neutralize her song. What's so? What's his purpose in doing this? Is he trying to, uh, like, protect against her song? To like isolate her song or isolate her mm-hmm. in a way? Um, stop whatever magical effect that she's creating, right? Because she is she is creating 
uh, she's bringing light into a dark place, right? And uh, right. It, it's more than that, obviously, but that's essentially what's happening. And he can't have that just continue. Right. Um, but he's also he's also flexing his muscles a little bit, right? So that he can, because I think that his goal is to bring her over. It's not like again, he's not looking to destroy her. Yeah, thanks for that. That's just what I was going to come back to is uh, what I meant to talk about before, but I'd, I'd I'd left aside. What is his goal? Right. His his goal is clearly not to destroy her, right? He yeah. wants to. I don't know that he wants to like seduce her to the dark side exactly, right? Um, I mean, not in one shot, anyway. Uh, but surely, surely he's got to be thinking if you if he can do. Deli- I mean, he knows Morgoth wants her, right? Is right. interested in Luthien. For, for the last couple episodes, we've had Luthien as prisoner as yes. a repeating theme. So for Sauron to be like, ah, yes, valuable prisoner, yeah. that would prisoner. fit. Like, yeah, yeah, we'd be like, oh, of course he's going to try and take. Yeah, and we have reasons for the audience to think, oh, here we go again. Like, you know, she's gonna, she's gonna, you know, danger prone Luthien is going to get thrown into prison again for the third episode in a row, <laughs> right? But, but importantly, everybody wants Luthien. Yes. everybody, everybody, right, in some way. Um, so giving him something else like Morgoth kind of wants her as like a like an oddity a plaything a novelty right um Caligorm wants her as political capital yeah slash. bride arm candy whatever yeah. arm candy yes exactly yeah. yeah um Baron wants her as companion life Mm-hmm. For life and whatnot, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> they do have different motivations, yeah. Right, yes, yeah. 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 So, but ha- have Sauron not only be interested in her as a potential prisoner for her to handle, for him to, because like think about it, like Morgoth has destroyed every single one of. Any time that he goes to Morgoth and says, "Hey, I'm working on this thing, and I'm running into this little snag," and Morgoth is just like, "Power!" and just you know, <laughs> right. let's say, right. "Right, allow me to get my sledgehammer to help you right. with that yeah. problem." Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So to have him kind of like, because they can have a full-on conversation. In the course of their conversation, he realizes actually. You're way more useful as a tool than you are as a prisoner, and maybe he's not looking to turn to turn her in one shot, but at least he should be kind of trying to set some groundwork for that. Right? So you're thinking uh, that they're having a conversation, sort of like movie Worm Tongue and movie Eowyn, is what you're imagining. Yes. When, less... when Peter Jackson gave to Wormtongue all of Gandalf's lines. Yeah. <laughs> right? And made them way creepier. Made them super <laughs> creepy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, is, it's is amazing that, I mean, what that... you can do by just shaving a dude's eyebrows. <laughs> right. The anti-Gandalf. Um, yeah. No eyebrows at all. Um, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> the... the, the but that 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 kind I mean I'm not saying exactly that obviously but that that, right. that that's the sort of conversation you're imagining see okay this is not an easy thing to work through <laughs> it's not it's not um 
and have it be satisfying. She'd have to listen for them to have a conversation. Well, like, yeah, she'd but that's have the to point a... of the cone of silence, right? So, but the cone of silence shuts her up because that's a kind of a big deal. If he succeeds yeah. in stifling her song, he's like kind of one-ish, right? But I imagine like he can't hold her he can't hold it, right? back in that way for, for very long. You know, when and he okay. should kind of so be aware what, of that. what you're looking for is so dramatic tension. She comes in singing, right? And then mm-hmm. he does his like thing, and then her song ceases, and it looks like Sauron has overpowered her. Like Luthien right. has finally like met her. It's just Sauron. Sauron is greater and stronger than he was before. Sauron was just, I mean, whatever. He was playing at the Marathatathod, right? I mean, he yeah. was, he was, that was a, that was a lark. Compared to this, yeah. right now well, here he, he is. has reinforcements. Now he's got a exactly. tub of souls in the basement that he can draw on for power. So, like, if we <sighs> want to see him take necrobantic dude, right? If we see him taking on Luthien and apparently winning, it's like, oh, he's he's leveled up. He's yeah. totally, and we can up sh- we can yeah. show. Okay, not quite like this, but you know how in Star Trek when they make the ship go faster the warp core starts flashing faster and make and like the sound pulses faster uh-huh, uh-huh. we could not that but <laughs> something in that vein like we cut to the the, the tub of souls and it's and it's acting it's behaving it reacts it, it reacts it's behaving to, as yeah, as yeah. professor Selvig would say right. right it's behaving right and uh, uh yes right uh, and so, but, but nobody with this Scottish accent saying that he can't give him any more power. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's what you're yeah. wanting to avoid. And, well, and and yeah. that's a good opportunity for us to show Thurnwethel there if she's also in that there. room at the same time. Right. Right. Um, uh, maybe looking a little uneasy as something is clearly happening that right. she is not. Okay. Anyway, so right. So we see him drawing on the power of the way, and this could be done with, uh, uh, with like colors and things. I'm thinking as yeah. well. Right. Um, uh, anyway. Great. Okay. So he, um, drawing on the power of the well of souls, right. His necromantic energy pack. He now, it looks, so we're, 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 we're building up this dramatic tension where we're trying to, we're allowing the audience to think she has met her match. She Mm -hmm. has been, her song has been snuffed out. Um, she stands there saying nothing, looking scared or something, right? And then he comes to her and he speaks to her and she can't speak. And it looks like he's already taken her prisoner, basically. Right. 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 We can even have some kind of parallels, maybe visual parallels mm-hmm. between how she looks and how Finrod looked when he'd lost the sound, yeah. battle, the song battle with Sauron. Right. So again, it. <clears throat> we don't actually like say that she's, but it looks like she's lost already. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then I think we could probably do two things at once. Right. So, I mean, I think it's, it could be really awesome. Right. If it looks like she's, you know, he's saying all these things like trying to convince, you know, playing on her. Uh, um, uh, trying to convince her to, uh, whatever, join him. What's she what's trying to convince her to do? What exactly is the purpose of his speech here? He's, I think what he would need to do would be to undermine her, right? 
What would winning look like for Sauron? Winning would look like if she despaired, right? Yeah. Despair yes. would be what winning would look like. Yes. Um, more or less. So, obviously, he, like, says that the, you know, like, Baron is already dead. He doesn't even have to know Baron's name. But, um, you know, like the, you know, have you come for the, you know... The, the prisoners I just took, like, you know, I've just killed them all and whatever. So he lies to her and then, but then he would paint pictures. This is what he does, right? Again, yeah. like the du- song duel, right? There, there's, there's imagery, right? There's imagery that he is attacking her with, which he can be speaking instead of singing. I think that's okay. Um, he could what, evoke. What would be his imagery? What would he be saying? What would he, he be could doing? He could evoke the imagery that we see in the um, in the appendix related to Arwen mm. after after Ooh. Aragorn dies, mm-hmm. Ooh. right? Like just perpetual loneliness forever. Being alone, yeah. Isolation and loneliness is one of the things that I was thinking because, like, you know, he, he's got his he's got his ace in the hole with Finrod, right? With the Kinslaying, yeah. And he doesn't mm-hmm. have that card to play against right. uh, to play against Luthien. So what would well, if Luthien is spring, then his imagery would have to be a lot of winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, winter. That, that and then that, she can win by having spring follow winter. <laughs> right, futility <laughs> like, is coming. Silly right. Sauron, there are seasons. <laughs> right, exactly. It doesn't work that way, Sauron. Um, um, yes. Um, yes. Um, so isolation. Loneliness, that would be the thing to play on with her, right? Um, She's lived isolated and protected in her mom's little bubble, um, but even that can't hold out the darkness forever, and the best she has to hope for is this, like continuous isolation and loneliness and he's going to pick up on the fact maybe he even during the course of the thing like figures out like oh it's the mortal right oh you're in love with the mortal and then right. he can then he can yes. do the whole gulf yeah. and like you sister can't. you have a twin <laughs> sister yes <laughs> I, I would that. think there would be certain uh you know um uh, 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 facial tells that uh, yeah. could betray her uh, yes. feelings for the mortal that uh, mm-hmm. uh, that he was holding. Well, anyway, so then he plays on the whole. Oh boy! And you now, like, it, you know, even you know. So yes, that her her future. I mean, it, it gives us the opportunity to really spell out what her choice of mortality means, right? Um, in other words. All the stuff that Sauron says is what, in the end, she is daring yes. when she chooses to yes. marry Baron. In the end, right? Yes. Um, so it's a, uh, I mean, it's a very unexpectedly cunning place to introduce a little exposition yes. <laughs> about yes. about this. Anyway, yeah, Sauron so tells she, us the plot of the season, <laughs> right? Exactly. Sauron, Sauron says, and, and yeah, I, I think that could set things up some really interestingly. Yeah. And yeah. then she sings, right? So then yes. she just opens her mouth and starts singing again. Um, and it becomes clear that like she had never lost at all. She stopped, right? He did make yes. her stop briefly, um, but she was listening to him. And then she starts singing again. And we could have her start singing again and him, you know, he like reels back 
or, right. or something from her song, and that's when Huan bounces on him. <laughs> right? We don't even right. have to have him fight Huan necessarily. We could introduce f- some further fight scenes, but honestly, after the confrontation with Luthien, it's sounding anticlimactic. Well, here's the thing: is you make that a losing battle, right? Yeah. Like he's he's fighting a losing battle between the two of them, right? And um, so, like when he's talking to her they're surrounded by like pitch black darkness, right. In all directions, infinite darkness. Right. And when she starts singing, we're back right in the real world. Yeah. And that's when, and then, then who wants there, right. And then who wants there. Yeah. Right. Oh, but hang on, hang on. I, I, wait, 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 I've got it. She starts singing, right. Mm -hmm. She starts singing. He's shocked. And then she, but what is she singing? What she is singing is the release from bondage. Yes. She, and then (gasps) Huan comes in and she ignores Sauron. She just walks around him. Yes. She's singing to the tower. She's singing to the souls that are imprisoned. This is how we fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Sauron is like, no, right. And, but then, then Huan pounces on him and he's trying to fight off the wolf and he's trying and he can't, and he's watching her go to like set free the prisoners in his tower. Because she gives him, he gives her the, the secret, keys, right? Yes. Somehow he he lays it out while he's monologuing, right? Yes. He does and the he, evil he, villain mansplaining thing and right. tells her his right. evil plot, and right. yeah, I mean, right. not cheesily. Well, but yeah. yeah, but he can he can he can bring up the the matter of the houseless spirits. Yes, and and now with the and, power of this fully operational. Battle uh, station, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But you know, like, it, it, like he could say, like, at best, you you could hope for is to wander near his grave, a houseless spirit. At which point, you it, you would it, you would then come to me in the end, right. no matter what, and that right. clues her in that oh, that's how where he's getting all this juice from, right, right. Yes. Which um, solves so we the do whole problem of how, the, he, how she rests the keys. From- how, yes, we preserve the he gives her the keys to the tower thing. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. exactly. And she, at the, from then on, ignores him. She's, yeah. it, it becomes clear he can't hold her, right? Yeah. When she starts singing her song, he cannot hold her when she's singing right. her song. So her song begins with, thank you for your cooperation. <laughs> yes. Thank you for your cooperation. Right. Right. Exactly. I appreciate your contributions to this rescue effort. And now yes. on with the res- rescue <laughs> effort. And then she ignores him and she can safely ignore him because at this yes. point now Drogluin is dead and Huan attacks him. So now yeah. he's fighting a defensive battle against Huan, which is still going to end with Huan's jaws clamped on his throat. Right. Um, and, but again, but meanwhile, um, she she's not she doesn't care she's not her goal is not to overthrow sauron this is why she's going to let him live she does it's she's not this is not her deal right she's here to set the prisoners free because she's not here to destroy what she hates (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly so yeah no it's exactly no i think that's great now but here question timing um which comes first Sauron being held by the throat uh, by Huan and released at Luthien's request or um, she's got to do that before because if she's 
if she, I mean, I really love this idea of, you know, she just like ignores Sauron and just focuses yeah. on the tower and releasing the prisoners. But surely when the prisoners are released and the tower is open, she's going to go right in and, and I mean, she's going to carry on ignoring him. Right. She so what can, are we going to come back? Kind of, she can kind of offhandedly say to Juan at that point, let him go. Right. right. He can hurt no one else. Right. Right. Once the once the tower explodes and his power is dissipated. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She just kind of, yeah. <laughs> she kind of looks over her shoulder uh, at where Huan is holding Sauron down, um, uh, and uh, uh, and says, she can, yeah. "Yeah, she can even do the anime thing where she doesn't even like fully turn around, right? Like yes. you just see like the tip like of her, her nose, her, her face in profile. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just exactly what I was picturing. Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, and then he." assumes his vampire form and flies off. Um, And she never even looks in his direction again, as she's then going into the tower to find Baron. Um, I like that. See, that is so much better than another dog fight. Isn't it? I mean, obviously this is a huge change, Um, but here's my excuse for the huge change. In some ways it is, but here's my excuse for the, for the change. And that is, look, Tolkien had, if there's one element of this story that Tolkien never fully, like, reconciled with the rest of his legendarium, it's the Sauron element of the Baron and Luthien story, right? We start with Tevildo the cat in the early versions, and then we've got Thu the necromancer, and then it's totally Sauron later on, but it's still mostly through and kind of Tevildo as well, right? I mean, that is, like, this role now being played by Sauron, and yet, really, like, the full, like, world-building, character-building implications of having the future Dark Lord of Mordor be the one who is in the conflict with Huon and Luthien, just, it, that just does not seem to be a stage that he ever really got to in the revision of that story, and in the integration of that story into the whole larger story. Um, it really only could have happened after the Lord of the Rings. And he didn't really get that far in the revisions after the Lord of the Rings um, fully. So um, anyway, so that's that's my excuse that, you know, I, I feel like in order to preserve Sauron's status, a change like this really seems necessary. I mean, a... Uh, 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 the opportunity for this kind of direct conflict with Luthien, I think, is to not to mention, like, just think how much more beef he's going to have with the descendants of Luthien for the rest of time. Right. Um, I mean, how much more personal that's going to be. She wasn't just I mean, come on. This is a big deal. <laughs> right. This is a formative moment in Sauron's career. Uh, so um, I think that that's um, I think that's. I think that's important. Um, okay. I like it. I like it. Um, any other problems there? I think we solved all those problems. Okay. Good. I'm content with that. I'm content with that. Um, hang on. Let's get back to the outline now. Okay. So we finished that. And this episode seven, this has all been episode seven we've been talking about. And episode seven is going to end with, you know, 
Baron and Luthien chaperoned by Finrod's corpse, right? Um, Finrod going to live to see Luthien or is he going to die? He's going to be dead, right? He's going to have his last moment with Baron. Yeah. She's going to come upon Baron grieving. Yeah. In order for that to have power, he's got to be dead because we got to move on. Like, we can't be wondering through half the episode whether he's going to make it or not. You know? Right. And also it enables us to round off the conversation between Finrod and Baron, which is relevant to Luthien, right? I mean, notice the parallel we've accidentally established there, right? Finrod and Baron are going to be talking about the problems involved in the whole mortal-immortal relationship business, right? And Sauron and Luthien are going to be talking about the problems. So both of them will have been confronted um, by different versions of one kindly, one not kindly, right? Um, but, But anyway, the issues are going to be raised with the both of them, right? Right before they come back together, more or less for good, Um well, I mean, you know, until his death, but whatever. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, 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 I like that. I think that's, I think that's pretty cool, but okay. Now, so episode eight, uh, oh wait, I do have one other wolf related problem. Um, the wolf hame of Draugluin. Are we actually going to skin Draugluin? I mean, do we, does this happen? Do we have Baron like, holding up the pelt of Draugluin and be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to let this uh, dry a little bit before I put it on, if that's okay with you. I, I, do you see what I mean? Like, how are we going to do the mechanics? We gave Thorin Gwethel a cloak, right? Which makes that easy and clean. Clean in more than one sense, right? Um, I'd, him, Baron, disguising himself as Draugluin, not clean in any sense, Right? So how do we, how do we do that? How do we want to do that? Huan can't, Huan brings the wolf hame. I have no idea how he does this or what even that means exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like, does he skin him? Does he, is this something that gets left behind by drug glue? And when he, does he, when he dies, does he collapse? Does he like deflate? Right, right. So remember, of course, that the werewolves that they confront on Karadras don't leave any bodies behind. Right. Um, so what is left behind from Dragluin should not just look like a wolf corpse. Of course. Something's, yeah. something's not going to add up there. So the fact that there is going to need to be a wolf hame of some sort means that something would be left. But it yes. doesn't. It can definitely be a things dissolve and Dragluin's spirit is ripped away and there's a something. And right. if Baron puts it on, he suddenly looks like a wolf. Right. Would it be the skin of the wolf into which Dragluin's spirit was originally packed? Well, because they could unlike be, but the then we're werewolves, back to skinning wolves. Yeah, but, yeah, but the the but like there's nothing left of it, right? Like the 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 flesh is all is is all gone. Like it was basically just propped up by the spirit of Drogluin at that point. It's Drogluin is different from the uh, from other werewolves in that other werewolves were born werewolves. It because he's the father of werewolves, right? Right. 
whereas he took on the or was forced into the form of an yes. existing creature and so, that creature but I, but I agree that we want to completely avoid the tale of Tenuvial stuff where Luthien sews him into the wolf cloak and then yeah. teaches him how to walk like a wolf like yeah like we, we don't want any aspect of that so it needs to be a magic it's wolf magic. pelt yeah yeah just like we have Thurin Grethel's magic bat cloak yeah. it's it's like let's treat Drogluin like a selkie Okay. Like a Selkie's pelt isn't like it's their skin, sure, but it's not like you skinned them and it right. didn't have like It's like the husk that's left it. over after after it, the spirit leaves. Which is kind I, of like I, what you're suggesting, yeah. like. But it yeah. I mean for the for Selkie Yeah, yeah, I think that's what Nick was suggesting. Yeah. I would be okay with that as long as it doesn't I mean, I could imagine it would look weird. Like it would be, it would. It seems like something that would need explanation, and we don't want to explain, right? And mm-hmm. that's that's the seems to be the biggest trouble that I can see. Like why, uh, why did that wolf deflate like a balloon and leave a handy wolf cape behind? You know, um, I want Aslan's compass is suggesting something like a talisman or something. Um, could there be something else of Draugluin's that can be? So this used? is the loot drop. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, they—they, they, I mean, clearly they have to loot the corpse. I mean, that's that's pretty clear, right? Um, the only but, issue yeah. is that unlike, like, you can make that claim with Thurngwethel's cloak, right? Like, that's a thing that she uses to shape shift. Drogloon doesn't shape shift. Exactly. This is and, the problem I have with his with his with his skin too. Like, why should putting his skin on change you into a wolf. Like, why should that work? Honestly, I think the simplest way around this problem would just be to have her turn him into a wolf. Like, she can use her own magic, and maybe she can use, like Aslan's Compass is is suggesting, some kind of talisman, some kind of focus, right? Like, I don't know, his teeth or whatever. Something, right? Um, That you know, he puts on, and she, I mean, we've seen her make a magic cloak. She's already made one, right? She could make another magic cloak, a wolf cloak, a disguise cloak. She puts on Thorin Gwethel's cloak. He disguises him, or she disguises him as a wolf. Um, that it's her power that, I mean, that's, it seems to me a really simple solution. Um, he could turn to dust and she could blow the dust on him like pixie dust and he turns into a wolf. He could do that. I don't know. We can't have it look like an unfortunate side effect. I mean, right. No, 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 no. No, she's, she can, I'm perfectly fine with her using some part of his person, Drogluin's person, that is, as a material component, right, of this spell in some way. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it's, because there's so many steps that we are asking people to make, right? Like, step number one, he is a wolf, and he died, but he's not a normal wolf, and so he doesn't have a carcass. There's just this other thing left over. And then, oh, step two, if you put that on, you turn into a wolf for some reason, right? And both of those things, like, need explanation. Like, there's not, it's not intuitive that that, that should be obvious, right? Either one of those steps should be obvious, and we don't want to explain either one. Whereas, we don't need any explanation for Luthien 
can do magic. We don't even need an explanation for Luthien can make a magic cloak. She's already done it. And there's going to be a time delay between Drugluin's death and when Baron puts on the right disguise. So it's true that, like, why would you be toting around this random wolf carcass for a long time for no reason? Like, it, it yes. there's, yeah. So if it's some element of Luthien decides to do a thing at this moment, right. that makes a little bit more sense than I've just had this folded up wolf pelt in my bag for right. reasons. I, you never I like know, them, knowing that will like come them, in handy. I like them hauling the, the carcass around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If there's anything better to show on screen than skinning a wolf and wearing its skin, it would be skinning a decomposing wolf and, <laughs> and wearing its skin. That would be even better. Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking <laughs> of, of the death of Thurn Wethel, um how I, I because I, like I've, I've been trying to wrap my head around the the story the Sauron Thurngwethel story that we're laying out in this season for a bit now and I'm wondering um, how would it be if Sauron comes upon Thurngwethel dying as, after he has already himself also been defeated Right, and and we have not a moment of reconciliation, but kind of like a acknowledgement of their relation, their relationship. <laughs> <Farewell>. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, not not nothing, nothing that sentimental, right. but right, like right. kind of, yeah, we kind of did, you know, we're at cross purposes there, and that may be kind of why this has happened, and um. Yeah, I'm dead now. So bye. You know, like right. something to kind of at least acknowledge their relationship rather than, um, like I would like the focus to be on their relationship rather than their falling out in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I'm not sure where it would go timing wise. I can't really see tagging that at the very end of the episode because that would be an anticlimactic mm. end but I can't see how we'd fit it in before that. I mean, once Bar- Luthien goes in to find Baron, we're not right. interrupting that for the soulful right. farewell of Thuringwethel and Sauron. But I do agree that it would be good to do it if we could. Yeah, to to kind of because if we don't have any contact between them, then Thuringwethel kind of dies in the dark and it feels unsatisfying that that happens. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, no, I agree. We don't want the last thing anyone would want is Thorin Gwethel to die off screen unnoticed, right? I mean, we can't have that. That would be terrible. Yeah. That's seriously. who would do who would, that? I was just about to say that. Who would even do that? It's ridiculous. Um, but uh but yeah, no, I, I agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, we've we've invested way too much in Thorin Gwethel and in her and Sarah. I mean, cuz here's the other thing to emphasize. Is it's not just he's parting from Thuan Gwethel. Sauron is alone. All of his lieutenants are gone now. Every single one of them. Um, so when Sauron is going to limp off in as much as one can limp through the air, um, you know, dripping blood from his bleeding throat, um, he is he's at square one, right? Sauron has lost everything now. Um uh, all of his power, presumably all of his influence with Morgoth, um, you know, things are 
Um, and so th- that by itself would be something we would want to set up so that when we go back to Sauron again later on, um, we have it very clear kind of where he's coming from there. Right. So, yep, I agree. I agree. Let's um, let's have a let's have a a tearful farewell between Thuringwethel and Sauron. It'll be touching. Mm-hmm. Um, we use one of those uh, um, one of those like nice soft filters, right? Um, uh, play some the, the Captain fit. Kirk and his romantic interest filter. Yeah, filter. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, play some nice soft romantic music. And uh, you know, why did it have to end like this? And and yeah, no, it'd be great. Um, so we'll do that. It, it should feel on some level like a tragedy. Yeah. You know, because we've been True. following these these Sounds people have been our, our villain protagonists from for several seasons now. So Yeah. And this is the thing, by the way, that I love about this moment for Sauron in in the context of like the whole larger story of Sauron that Tolkien never got around to writing, right? Um like the th- what we're getting to do, right? The whole arc of Sauron from Myron the Happy, uh Myar of Aule through the cracks of doom, right? Um, the really important thing about this, this is the moment. Sauron has hit rock bottom, right? He could repent now, right? Like that would, this would be the time, right? This would be the time for him to say, to reexamine his life choices, right? Um, but he's not going to do that. Um and so that's a really important thing, I think, to establish uh, with Sauron. So, yeah, I mean, again, I'm not saying we show him repentant. I'm not saying that we show him, um, you know, doing this or thinking about threatening to do this. Um, but it's clearly like that's where he is, right? He is pushed to the limit. He's lost everything. It is, it's a tragedy, right? And he's going to renew the tragedy, right? It's a tragedy that he has come to this. But, of course, it's going to be even more of a tragedy that he doesn't learn from it and he doesn't repent. Right. And he's going to keep going down the next stage of this road to destruction that he has set himself on. Um, okay. Agreed. Now, uh, we're running out of time. So quick back to our episode outline here. All right. But I say quick back to the one that I haven't even looked at. So this is not going to be quick. Episode eight. Um, this is when we get Kelgorm and Kurafin have been kicked out. When does that happen? Beginning of this episode? When do we, when do they get, get did we have, what was happening in the green? No, Calgorn and Corfin. Okay, so the last we met with Calgorn and Corfin in episode six, they were sending an ill-advised letter to Thingol, right, demanding that he comply, you know, like the engagement announcement slash hostage crisis deal that they were putting forward, right? Um, when, therefore, do we show them they they have to get ousted at the beginning of the episode, don't they? It would have uh, to be. and Because yeah. it can't be in the last episode. We're not going to interrupt. The, I mean, seven and four are almost as in, equally important in their, like, focus, right? Um, four in Doriath and, and, and uh, in, in Menegroth and then seven at Tal and Garahoth. Okay, so beginning of eight, they get kicked out. Um, 
escaped prisoners from Tulsirian will have come down, right? We, so we can establish that it has happened, right? Like, they've made it home. They get kicked out. Um, oh, this is when we're sending Glaurung to Dorthonian. Okay, cool. We can inter- we can interrupt with a Morgoth scene, which will give us time to get what Kelgorm and Kurafin get far enough north to meet Baron and Luthien um, further up. We we're running a fairly significant risk of uh, um, getting into the uh, Game of Thrones travel plan here uh, in this like this episode especially right mm-hmm. um, episode one felt a little that you know when we were constructing it it did feel a little kind of um, that sort of setup it's the setup for the season. Uh, I wish it could have been stronger, but I I think you know there there was no way around that sort of circumstance. Yeah, if we can, but I think all we need to do is just convey that some time has passed, um, and yeah. Anyway, it's a risk, but that seems a risk we have to take. I don't see another way we can do it um, because we certainly can't push it back. So. Then we get the confrontation with Kelgorm and Kurafin. We get the Leap of Baron. People get shot. People get healed. Um, Huon comes over to their side permanently. So Huon returns with the captives. Right? Huon escorts the captives back to Nargothrond. Presumably. Right? He would do. He's going that way, right? He'd help them get back. So, okay. So, Huan comes back with them. Um, and we end this episode, episode eight. I don't know where we end it. Do we end it with um, Baron leaving? Or with Luthien waking up and finding she's alone? Anyway, um, episode I, I nine is when I think that's really for episode nine. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to figure out where we end episode eight. Yeah, but. I'm not... I, I, I so, think Baron being wounded and Luthien healing him is probably at the end of episode eight. Okay. I, okay. I don't think him deciding to leave is something that we can deal with until episode nine. We can set that all up in episode eight. Right. Like they could be having conversations about stuff. Okay. So the departure and the reunion are the primary focus of episode nine. Huh. Um, oh, we have Diron encountering the Eagles. Um, like we talked about last time here, potentially in episode nine. Okay. That's good. Cause we're going to need the Eagles soon. Um, Okay. Um, okay. So, who owns big lines? <laughs> right, come here. Right, uh, his second uh, his second speech. Um, okay. All right, we'll come back to this because this is nothing nothing we need to think about. Then episode ten, they arrive at Angband. So. Episode 10 is the Angband episode, right? Yes. This is kind of nice, actually. 4, 7, and 10 
are all going to be like single scene focused episodes, right? Menegroth episode four, um, to, you know, Tolan Garahoth episode seven, Angband episode ten. It's kind of nice pacing, actually. Okay, so we. Should we talk about Luthien dancing in front of Morgoth? We've talked about this some already, right? Um, and we we don't uh, we don't want um, we don't want hmm. Marie, was it you who was saying you like didn't want any sexual element in Morgoth's interest? No, actually, no. that definitely was not me. Um, I'm fine with there being <laughs> a component of that. The issue is if that being the only interest would be a little weird. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. up to this point, Morgoth hasn't shown a lot of interest in that department. So it no. would be like, and out Kinda of nowhere, he's listening as like, well, oh, it has occurred to me. You can do things with humans and mortals and elves. What do you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the details, like, the details of incarnate anatomy. The penny finally drops for Morgoth, and he's like, "Hey!" Right. Like, he finally, fi- finally figures out that whole birds and the bees thing. Um, yeah, so that would be ridiculous. So let's yes. definitely not that. But Agreed. the way that Tolkien wrote his speech to Luthien, the like so Luthien, so Luthien, like he he wrote it all out, and it's it obviously has a really strong rapey vibe to it yes (laughs) but not um but not specifically from a a, you know a sexual point of view so much we're gonna wind up needing an intimacy coordinator on the show i'm just saying (laughs) not for this scene but uh and he's she's not gonna let him touch her so it's fine yeah uh i can't can't speak to the rest of the show nick we, we 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 just have to leak the fact that not only are we hiring right. an intimacy coordinator, but our intimacy coordinator, we're hiring our intimacy coordinator in order to counsel Sauron or Morgoth. Yes. Um, that'll reassure fans. Uh, yes. People will love that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. You're being so good, Marie, and we're being horrible. C- continue. It's You're exactly fine. right. It's yeah. fine. Um, right. So, what he threatens her with in that speech is that he compares her to a flower. And yes. says that in Valinor, the gods are idle and they crush flowers like you, basically. Yes. And so he, he threatens to crush her like a flower for his own benefit or amusement. So it, it's very much like serial killer locking people in cages and then killing them mm-hmm. versus like erotic dance scene <laughs> like, right. Right. like his interest is very extreme um right. to the point that it like it just goes way past that right. so like he's looking for a snuff film right, right. um yes i guess yeah and there would be yes i mean there can be this kind of edge to his speech but yes i, I, I agree right. this is not it's just a, it's, uh, it's beyond Yes, beyond is a great way to say that. This is, 
his what he is thinking of and planning for Luthien is like a thing of which rape itself is only like an image. Step one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's like it's, the Witch King's conversation with Eowyn. Right. Like what he threatens to do to her is not. Hey, I noticed you're a woman on a battlefield. That was a mistake. Like he doesn't say right. that. It's that right. you'll be taken away and your mind is going to be stripped away from you and you're going to wish you were dead. Right. <laughs> like, right. Oh, okay. Well, in that yes. case. <laughs> yes. Um I uh, I I have long thought that the Witch King's threat to Eowyn was one of the best and most terrifying threats by a villain on like in a confrontation that I know of in all of literature. It's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fairly intimidating, but I agree. I agree. Yeah. So that's kind of the angle there. Um, are we, um, are we cool with Baron crouching under the throne? The disguise thing. We're continuing the disguise thing all the way down. So Baron is remains in wolf form until Morgoth slides onto the floor, right? Then they both remove their disguises. He cuts the Silmaril from the Iron Crown. We make a big deal of the image of the Silmaril sitting in his unburned hand, right? And... Um... Okay. Yeah. Doesn't I've he got... go put to sleep too, Baron? Uh, yeah, she has to wake him up, right? Yeah. Yes. He's uh, caught in the AOE. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and that's when they undisguise the both of them. Yeah, you know... Episode ten is going to more or less write itself. I think <laughs> there's this is this is one of the I mean, we've talked about this. This is one of those moments where, like, we don't need to do much. Uh, it's all pretty much there. Um, then we've got Karkaroth biting off Baron's hand. And we've set up the eagles, so now when they show up, it's not a full surprise. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We don't have too much time to discuss Baron's choices, but let's at least set up some of the issues. In fact, let's not even talk about the issue yet of why does Baron try to leave Luthien behind? Um, let's start just by trying to contextualize a little bit more the questions that this raises. Namely, what are the dynamics of their relationship? Like, when they are together, this is the first time they've been together. Like, episode eight, right, is the first time they've really been, they met before, but haven't spent any time together, right? We see them spending time together how are they together is this uh like and now we're uh, like what what's his attitude what's her attitude like i'm not sure how to mm. 
how to handle it. You know what I mean? Like, do they, um, do they have fun together? You know, like, do they laugh at each other's jokes? Do they, are they just like spiritual partners from the beginning? Like what kind of relationship do Baron and Luthien have? Exactly. Keep in mind, episodes eight and nine are some of the only times we're going to get them just like being together ever, pretty much. Um, we'll see them doing the quest together in episode 10, invading, uh, invading, um, Angband. And then we're going to get, um, you know, them returning to her father with him dismembered. Right. But the, his suffering, his physical suffering is going to, uh, kind of shroud that. And then they're going to, he's going to go off on the hunt. Right. And the, so, so we're, again, this is the, this is the time when we see them actually being together. What's their relationship like? Is, I mean, he's marrying up and knows it, right? Um, is Baron all like, I'm unworthy of her and it's a bad idea for her to be with me? Is that his, is that where he is here? What's her attitude? Could it be he feels like on one level he deserves to have the quest put on him because in order for him to even think yeah about pursuing a relationship with her he should have to Prove earn that right worthiness yeah. yeah to do that when he like he doesn't really understand he does not that deserve it's this. a gift yeah right that that deserving was never part of it yeah you know like yeah you know like i i don't think of I can't think about whether or not I deserve to be with my wife because that that is not a question I need answering um right, right. <laughs> you know yeah. but that's not really the important part is it right exactly she chose him but I don't know I but mean he doesn't want to mess things up for her either yes. like right just because she's willing to put up with the lack of anything that he can offer her doesn't mean that he's okay with having her roam around the woods as a vagabond forever because he doesn't have anything else to give her like right. she's cool with it but he's not on some level he he has to do more than that for her what's what's baron's personality like What's, what's he, he likes like? animals. He likes animals. He's grim, isn't he? Grim. He's got to be grim. I mean, how can he? He's he would have become grim even if he weren't grim to begin with. Yeah. But well, so far in episode one, we've depicted him as somebody who's very mission oriented, mm-hmm. um, focused, dedicated, right. determined. Sure. Right, and that I feel like fits. Like once he commits to the quest it doesn't matter whether he's going to live or die or, or even accomplish it. Right. He's solely focused on the mission. How does that affect their relationship? Is the, is the next question from that? Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, 
the whole point of the mission is her and right. there she is. <laughs> right. So, right. I mean, uh, like if he's going to choose the mission instead of her, he's totally like, doing it, it wrong. You, right. Right. And you kind of feel like she helps him just to humor him, you know, like just to, like okay if this is what you need in order to feel like we can be together fine i'll i'll make this happen for you just hang out hang in there <laughs> right yeah he, he's he's not in his 80s in certainly not in our story somebody on youtube whose name is symbols says he's in his 80s don't forget that that's baron is not in his 80s uh, even in the book, he's not in his eighties. Um, it's like thirty. Yeah. No, I think you're confusing with Aragorn. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Who, I, for good reason, um, <laughs> direct parallel there. But um, right. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, but okay. So he's he's grim. He's dedicated. He's serious. He sees his undertaking, his promise to her father, as an oath. Like, and he's got Finrod's example, right? Right. I was going to say in front of him, just recently behind him, right? Um, of the, you know, willing to go to all lengths to honor his sworn word and all that kind of thing, right? Um, so that all seems to that all seems to work. Um, Maybe she keeps trying to get him to have fun. Well, see, this is what I'm wondering. Like, this is what I mean. But I'm saying, like, yeah. what kind of relationship do they have? Like, she teases him, like the like the like the elves tease the dwarves. You dip, know? dip your beard in the foam, father. Yeah, like, yeah. She so goes all tra la 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 la. She's the ultimate tra la la la. Oh, I know. I completely. Yeah, Luthien is definitely a tra la 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 la. Oh boy, love it, love it. Okay, so. So she's, he's all serious and she wants to well, have fun? Yeah, but but we can use the timescale thing again. She's fine with just living in the moment and letting this play out, however. No rush. No rush. Like, okay, you know, yeah, yeah if you have to fulfill the quest, we can totally do that someday. But, but we you know, can take a couple centuries first. Yeah, but let's just hang out <laughs> and yeah. whatever. Yeah. And he, being more mission-focused, is like, no, if I'm doing this quest, I have to do it right now and yeah. I need to get it done. Yeah. And by the way... It's a really dangerous quest. I'm probably going to die. So, like, we really don't have any time together, you know. So, so they're different. They have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. the part where he tries to actually leave her suggests that they don't have that resolved. So something has to get resolved when she shows up with disguises, and it's like, and now we're going to go from Bang Band, right. and he was like, yeah, let's do that. So it's they, that's the moment where they resolve. We're both on the same page. Prior to that, there has to be this complete disconnect of he thinks one way, she thinks a completely different way. And the way that we have him thinking is not a simply um, sort of, you know, quasi-patriarchal you're the woman and I have to protect you and, and shield you. And so I'm going to take the danger on myself and leave you behind. It's not just that, right? I mean, I'm thinking, um, I mean, I, I too was thinking more Nick along the lines that you were suggesting the look, I know 
it's not okay for us to just have this relationship, right? Um, I swore that I we that I we I wouldn't you know have this relationship until I completed this yeah. mission, um, and uh, and a big thing feeding that Nick, as you were saying, is I know I am not worthy of you. Like yeah. this is for him to just be like, cool, let's you know cohabitate mm-hmm. in the woods, you know, for an indefinite period of time, uh, would be not just, you know, a failure to, uh, you know, to, to fulfill his oath. Um, yeah. but it would be, it would be, it would be wrong on multiple levels, on deeper levels, yeah. right? He doesn't, yeah. he shouldn't have that, you know, he can't, yeah. he doesn't deserve that. Um, yeah, even if even if my wife was totally fine living in a shack somewhere, doesn't mean that I'm going to feel okay about letting my family live that way. You know, right. um, she's not, in fact, okay with that. But you know, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what shifts? What is the change when she comes after him? So his mindset. When he leaves, it can't just be like self-loathing, right? Like, oh, I don't deserve her, so I should go off and probably die. It can't just be self-loathing. But it's nor not. can it be simply overprotectiveness. Like, it can't no, just well, be, I've well, got to protect his, the little lady either. No, no, it's his song. He, the, I mean, he gets a song in the story, too. And, yes, you know, that... Th- the world is a wonderful place and this is all good because Luthien's in it. Right. And like, yeah, I can't actually be with her. Cause like, what was I thinking? That's crazy. But the world is good. And Luthien is good. Like Luthien for a time should be like that, that yes. element of he's not in despair and he's not beating himself up. You know, he's in love with her and happy and therefore thinks he's doing the right noble thing where he is making sure that she gets what's best. It's like, it's with not that song. what she, yeah. Yeah. It's not what she asked for, but it would be right. better for her. So just, right. you know, to look out for her, I have to go off on my own now. Yeah. From his song, it's almost like in his mind, living happily ever after is not even like, Marrying her is like so far beyond what happily ever after <laughs> looks like. That is just like, like happily ever after for him is just continuing to live for a little bit, knowing that she's alive, like living in the same world where she is, is like, <laughs> that's what happily ever after looks like as far as mm-hmm. like at, at that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially we, remember, remember, that's what Dairon was going to put up with. Yeah, Dairon was going to be happy to just play music for Luthien so she could dance forever and ever, yeah. and he was going yeah. to be cool with that. Yeah, um, yeah, and and yes, yes, exactly. Um, oh, what was the thing I was just going to say? Um, oh, I lost it. Um, but. So, yes, he doesn't think he's worthy of her. But, again, not just in this, like, sort of self-loathing sense. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember what I was going to say. Thinking back to his conversation with Finrod, right? 
he now understands better that there's no real he can't be with her it's not really on the table um it's and it's not just uh because i am a mere worm before her kind of sentiment it's like he has now fully processed what it means that he's immortal and she's not um he didn't see that he i mean, you know first moments right Tanuviel, Tanuviel, he's not thinking this through, right? He's not in that space yet. But since they've been apart and he's um, had his conversation with Finrod, right? Um, uh, his Athrobeth-esque conversation with Finrod. Now he's like, okay, new perspective, right? This is not possible. This is not possible. It can't happen. But you know what? That's okay. Because I'm happy knowing... I mean, I'd be happy just knowing that she existed on the other side of the world, right? Um, And was still alive. I have so much more than that. Because she has said that she loves me, right? You know, she put her hand in mine. She came after me and rescued me and sprung me from prison, right? Um, This... I have already... I already have more than any mortal could possibly ever ask for, Right? And so now I'm going to continue on my certain death quest because I've sworn to do that. And that's what I do is follow through on my word and do the thing that I promised. And I'm almost certainly going to die. But who cares? Like, I've already achieved the, like more than anyone could possibly ask for. Right. Again, it would be it's she is a blessing to the entire earth by existing. And she has come and bestowed some of that blessing upon me. Right. By not only being near me, right? But actually loving me, like this is a completely mind-blowing experience. I'm, I, my, I, my, I've crossed off my bucket list. There's nothing else left to do but fulfill the quest, right? And I certainly can't take her into danger. That's ridiculous, right? Um, yeah, I could see him kind of thinking this way. So this, it's still that same kind of, you know, I'm not worthy sort of thing, but it's not just a self-loathing thing. It's not just a, he has low self-esteem thing. Um, and the thing that he doesn't yet see, the thing that he does not understand is simply that it is possible to reach across the gulf that divides humans and elves. And Luthien is determined to do it, um, as Ignor was not determined to do it. Right. But Luthien is determined to do it. And that's got to be what happens in episode nine. Right. What she communicates, what she shows him is that, no, I've, I am already bound to you. I have already chosen. Um, uh, no, it's never been done before, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it. Right. Um, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll handle the Mando's thing later on. But, uh, so, you know, the, yeah. There's a certain amount of elvish monogamy that comes into play there. Like, she's already... Like, Chosen. He's her guy. Like, yeah. that's it. He's that's it. She's not going to have another guy somewhere. Like, yep. he could convince himself that, oh, if I, you know, she'll find somebody else. She'll have forgotten about me in another 50, 60 forever. years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And no, it's not like that. She... It, it's she, she's imprinted on it <laughs> yeah yeah kinda yeah mm-hmm. exactly um yeah and she she has 
chosen, she's not going to understand what that means or what's going to be possible. Or, um, and of course, we on the other hand, we have her. If he's still mulling over his conversation with Finrod, she's going to be still mulling over Sauron's words, right? Um, she won't have forgotten them um, because he is cunning enough to know that he is going to be speaking out what must be her own actual deepest fears and uncertainties in this whole situation, right? So he will have been effectively playing on that and we will have to show her overcoming that, right? Overcoming and that's the triumph. It's her triumph over her fears and then her it's like the second the next catastrophe for Baron, right? Um, this moment when she returns to him, when she follows him in episode 9 um, is just as startling as her turning back to him and putting her hand in his in Doriath in the first place, right? It, it, it's it's it, it, that has that same kind of significance, that same kind of gravity to him. It's just as just as surprising because now they've both thought about it. Yes, yeah. Because yeah, the first like you said, the first moment he definitely wasn't thinking about no. the consequences, and perhaps she wasn't either. Right. But at this point, they've both had it brought up to them. They've had time to think. They've had yes. time apart. So now they're both saying, okay, we can keep going with this. Yeah, and he's, his initial decision is simply, I can't, like, it's not even on, it's, it's not even on the table. It can't happen, right? And yeah. so what he's doing is making a positive Yeah, interesting choice. how fin, Finrod's relationship advice is always, you know, it's just not going to work out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Finrod is the nicest, friendliest kind of downer. Like, everybody, like, you know, he goes around telling everybody, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got I to gotta run on your parade here. Unless he realizes, maybe he doesn't express it to Baron in time. But he realizes that it is like maybe, maybe what gives him the strength to break his bonds is the realization that there is a power in the love between Baron and Luthien that, that is going to transcend mm-hmm. the boundaries of our Arda. Yeah. Um, and maybe he doesn't get a chance to express that to Baron because he dies, yes. right? But yeah. That's the true meaning of Christmas. That's the true meaning of Christmas. This is why he realizes it is not just a mindless following of his oath to Barahir, right? That is going to make him sacrifice his life for Baron. He's saving Baron because this needs to happen, right? Right. He has this insight into how, at the very least, the union of Baron and Luthien is going to be the symbol of the union. Like, Baron and Luthien together are going to be like a little foretaste of Arda remade that he and Andreth were talking about, right? Um, and he realizes this, like this, this has to happen, right? I have to save Baron's life so that this can happen. Um, yeah, I agree. That realization—that's that's the real—that's the true meaning of Christmas. Totally agree with that. Um, I cannot possibly convey how excited I am that we get to bring the Athrobeth stuff back. Um, this is so much better than Finrod dying more dramatically at the hands of a, you know, like, I don't know, like, 
this is this is so much better. <laughs> this is so much better. I love this. I absolutely love what we've done with Finrod's death in this these conversations. Um, but this works. And then Huan speaks and affirms these things. Right. Um, this is the moment when they bind themselves together. <laughs> you know what? Um, this is. It's almost starting to sound like. Um, this is the moment where they kind of unofficially get married and Huan is officiating, which I love as an image, right? Uh, that's just about the coolest thing ever. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is the scene we need the intimacy coordinator for. <laughs> right, right. Uh, not not involving the dog, but yes, yeah, yeah. The intimacy coordinator is going to be busy uh, in uh, these two uh, in these two episodes. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, now they're not literally married. I mean, they're going to get married in Doriath. Like it's a big deal. Right, um, but this is where they're deciding. So this is their engagement. There, this, yeah, they are. They are. They, they were. Um, they had strong notions <laughs> before, right? We had the falling mm-hmm. in love at the beginning. Um, this is the betrothal, and then the reconciliation with Thingol is. That's the. That's then going to be the wedding. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Okay, actually, let's look at that. We kind of. We kind of. We kind of did the thing. We squeezed it in. Um, we might be able. We might come back to this a little bit next time. But anyway, okay. So for next session, which is going to be on Thursday, April twenty first, um, just continuing. By the way, to like perfectly thread the needle among all of my trucks and be gone the next week. But hey, the twenty first is good. So there we are. Um, April 21st uh, will be our next live session. Um, we're going to be continuing to work our way through the stories of Baron and Luthien, so we'll hopefully we'll be covering the last portion of the season next time. Um, I'm sure we're going to have lots of uh, discussions about the song before Mandos uh, next time. We'll do Karkaroth and the uh, uh, the hunt for the wolf, and um, you know think through any of the challenges that we might have uh, th- that we might have with that. Um, and uh yeah yeah and then just a couple things to wrap up and then how uh how's that um so you guys were you guys have been working on scripts so you did the episode one script discussion right yes yes we did yes Yes. you're still muted yeah (laughs) i was trying to get there (laughs) <laughs> um, I, sorry, so yeah. I'm juggling. Yes, yeah, I know, exactly. I know. Um, with, a, with a slightly disappearing and glitchy baby. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, yeah, so we've discussed episode one, and um, we'll do the script discussion for episode two on Friday, April. The 29th? Yeah, it sounds right. Yes, 29th. Friday, okay, April. So, 29th. people who want to get involved with you, so at your. Script discussions. You guys sit down with the episode and you kind of roll up your sleeves and talk it through mm-hmm. and work out the detailed outline for the whole yeah. episode, right? And this time we were joined by Ilana and uh, and Kanji, who is uh, is in the yeah. chat right now, and uh, that which was great. Um, the more the merrier. It's always it always adds something when we get additional voices uh, in the. <laughs> It's a goma in the uh, in the discussion because yeah. there's always something that 
nobody else thought of that yep. somebody could come up with because we wind up with hairier problems than one would imagine um yes. you know getting into to a lot of these things so yeah yeah that's great so t- um, so tell folks again where they can find links so, and stuff so if you go to the discussion boards right mm-hmm. uh which are the, at forums.signumuniversity.org, right? Yep, that's correct. And um, in the script sub forum, um, it'll be under season six. Uh, I should have a, I haven't created a, a um, thread for episode two yet because it's a few weeks out still. Um, right. But uh, yeah, they. I won't be posting a Zoom link directly in there because every time that we've posted links to conversations in actual message threads. Thank you. Thank you, Drew's fire. Um, yeah. The, uh, they wind up getting bought. Spammed written. by bots. Yeah. Yes. 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 Exactly. So, uh, you can contact me, uh, by private message on the boards. If that's something you're interested in joining. And you also, and you also stream those, right? So, uh, yes, we stream them here yeah. on the Signum University Twitch. So if you're just interested in just hanging out in the chat and uh, throwing stuff our way, we do the very best we can to uh, to incorporate stuff yeah. from the chat as well. There have been a number of times where something we've been working on a particularly difficult chestnut and uh, somebody has, has come through in the chat, so... That cool. is great as well. Excellent. Great. So that stuff is marching forward, and I look forward to discussing episode one soon-ish. You know, no rush. Woo-hoo. We're still good. We still have plenty of stuff to yeah. talk about here. We'll get it. Um, but uh, awesome. Okay. Well, then we will leave that for next time, see if we can finish our Baron and Luthien discussion, uh, and then we'll continue moving forward. So thanks, everybody, for... Uh, a really fun conversation tonight. Really excited about the new Sauron fight scene. This is mm-hmm. uh, this is there's some really great stuff in that episode. I'm excited about. So thanks everybody, and we will see you guys soon. And I will say as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.